morning we're going to be back in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so if you want to find that in your Bible, we're going to be in chapter 1 today. And as we move there, I want to, I want to say that um, sometimes uh, when I think of Bear Valley Church, I think of people who are very disciplined and hardworking. I think of people who make things happen, uh, uh, strong fortitude inside that they can uh, make things happen. And it's not that we haven't had failures. In fact, we've had quite a few. Uh, we could do uh, a great sharing time of all the failures that you've uh, failed, all your best failures, I should say, um, and that would be quite a cert, uh, time of sharing. Um, but most of us have the attitude, if we come up against a problem, we just got to figure it out. We just got to work harder and give it more zeal. And uh, how, how do you succeed through skill and passion, Right. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you've been bowling before, but one of my tactics in bowling, uh, and especially if you're with younger men, this really works well with younger men. Is so so they, it, it's always competitive, right? You know, you, the score matters. Uh, and it's, some of you say, "Well, score doesn't matter." Yeah, because you're not that good, right? Uh, that's what it amounts to, and you have no shot of winning. So you just say, oh, "I'll just I'll see how many gutter balls I can get." Anyways, but. Um, this, this tactic works pretty well with bowling. You know, if you see a young man and he rolls his ball, his first ball, and he doesn't get all the pins down, all you have to do is you say, hey, give it more power next time. And a young man goes, yeah, more power, more power. I'm just going to throw it as hard as I possibly And that's where it gets exciting, right? Um, you know, the ceilings, other lanes, you know, uh, the confident, like, 90 mile an hour gutter ball, like that, that all those things. And, and there's a sense where uh, the more power you give it, the, the less it works, right? Uh, this works in golf as well. <laughs> this works in golf. I, I took my boys out. We had some trash talking in the Bozer family. None of them are here today, so I can talk about this. Um, uh, who is going to be the better golfer? None of us are any good. But, uh, but, uh, from time to time throughout the nine holes, I, you know, one would go, and I said, you just need to hit it harder. You just need to hit it harder. And those of you who know golfing know that that is the worst thing you can do when you're struggling is just hit it harder because it just goes farther in the wrong direction, um, which was helpful. I won by that. I won that day. Um, so anyways, um, I want to tell you this happens over and over again. You know, you think about different things that you try harder and it leaves you in a greater mess. Um, there's others, others of you who say, you know what, that's not true. Uh, I have a kind of focus that when I put my mind to something, I can make it happen. And that may be true uh, for some of you. You have this idea that you focus on something and and you can make and, and get to the end of it and, and conquer it in some way. And I want to tell you that most of the time when that happens, it becomes, your life becomes the game of whack-a-mole. You know what that means? <laughs> if you've been to the arcade, it's that game where, and, and it's a lot like living in Bear Valley in the spring, by the way, right? Uh, voles, moles, gophers, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I always think it's funny. Uh, we have some, some of you here... Uh, you you like to kill voles, moles, gophers. You, you like to kill them. And the funny thing to me is your neighbors don't care. 
And so they're moles, voles, gophers. They come and visit you uh, after you're done with the ones that you have and you're in charge of the home. You're like neighborhood watch is what you amount. But um, th- this idea that I can fix this problem, I can focus on it, but there's other problems popping up all the time uh, that are making your life and turning your life into one chaotic thing after another after another. This morning, um, we're going to look at a passage where uh, the writer, uh, most likely Solomon, as he considers life, uh, he gives us a, a God-inspired picture of what life is all about. And it's maybe discouraging to you, but I want to tell you, this is what it is to live under the sun. Uh, this is what it is to live down here. This is what life is about, apart from the intervention of God. Apart from the grace of His Son, Jesus Christ, apart from the Spirit of God working in you, this is what life is. And it's for everybody. It's not something that someone can escape, but this is the truth that comes for all people. And today, uh, we're going to see that our own skill and passion will leave us wanting in this life under the sun. And so, uh, we're in chapter 1. I would like to read to you, if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you starting in verse 12. God's Word says this, I, the preacher, uh, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, uh, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases in knowledge increases in sorrow. God, we ask your blessing on your word this morning. I ask that as we look at this, that it would give us great courage to uh, face the day, but also to trust in you. Uh, that you'd bring us to the end of ourselves and that we would wholeheartedly depend on you uh, for the days you've given us. God, thank you for this time. Glorify yourself in your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you look at this passage, it's uh, almost repeated, uh, verse 1 and verse 12. As we look at this, uh, he once again identifies himself as the preacher, having been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And as I shared before, I believe this to be Solomon, uh, the story of Solomon, uh, him sharing this and yet referring to himself as the preacher or the assembler of people, the one who gathers for a message. And this message comes from the king. I realize that most of us haven't been king uh, even over made-up kingdoms in our backyards. You know, uh, some of you are younger siblings, and you know you never get to be king. Um, but uh, you realize that uh, this is a vantage point that most of us haven't seen. Uh, I realize that uh, 
sometimes our experience limits us into what we would know. And so as you hear this and you hear him to be king, you realize that he is, has, has access to more than the average person. Um, he's going to give us his expert opinion, uh, really his God-inspired opinion of all that life is. And the first part he talks about is everything he saw, everything he saw. Um, you look down at verse 13 and he says this, and I have applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. Uh, he uh, gave himself to it. He gave himself to it. Uh, this idea of seeking and searching. Uh, there, are, there are different people in this life and there are different people here this morning uh, some of you haven't cared anything about the big issues of life. You, you're just hoping to get through the day, and it's fine. And you're happy with that. Uh, and others uh, have this insatiable desire to know more and to understand more. And as uh, the writer writes this, he says, I have applied my heart. I've given my heart to this, to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. Um, as he looked upon this, we know Solomon to be a wise man, not just wise because of who he is, but a, a blessing of wisdom. He asked God for wisdom and God granted him with this amazing wisdom to understand. And so he was a guy of wisdom. And even as we share that word wisdom, I realized that most of us being good Americans here today, we don't care anything about wisdom. We have, we have another word we use, uh, education, right? Uh, we want to get smarter, get smarter. And the idea of being educated or smarter doesn't necessarily equate to wisdom. But wisdom being the, the Jews were, uh, you can see it throughout the New, Old Testament as the book of Proverbs is actually given to that as well. Uh, you see this, uh, this desire for wisdom to understand life to understand what's going on, uh, not just to have the data, but to understand how it applies to any and every situation. And so he says, you know, this is what I sought after. This is what I was getting after was wisdom. As we look at this this morning, we see uh, he was one uh, who had done this, and it was different than just being smart. He was truly wise. As he sought after this, he came to really a first conclusion about his seeking. Uh, middle of verse 13. It is an unhappy business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. Wow. Um, so, some of this morning, and I, I'm sure this, I, it's going to get good here in the next few weeks. I'm sure of it. Uh, maybe the next month, uh, you know, that's not, but uh, this morning, as you hear the word of God, he says, I, I, I searched for wisdom. I was out there looking for it. And my first conclusion is it's a bad business. It's a bad endeavor. It, it, it's a sense of uh, sadness to it all. And what you have here is this, that God uh, it, it, it's as if he sees God as one who's given this task that you can't accomplish, and it's not that good of a task to begin with. The idea of searching for wisdom. 
And he says, it's, it's not a good business. It's not something that was good for me. His second conclusion um, is a, a big and general one. That's a simple one, the, the middle of verse 13. And then in verse 14, he says this. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Uh, his second conclusion uh, wasn't a specific thing. It was like this. I've seen it all. I've seen everything. I've taken it all in. I, I've, I've assembled all the data. I've done the study. And as I come to this conclusion, by the way, I, I believe this section that we're looking at will set up the next sections that we look at. He's giving us the conclusion of his findings. It's that first cover sheet, if you will, that says this is what my study is going to show you. Uh, my study is going to show you, this isn't a great deal, but after everything has been looked at, he says this. After I've seen it all, verse 14, I, I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after wind. When you hear that word vanity, you should go back and say, ah, yeah, that he's already talked about that, vanity of vanities. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That idea, remember, it's this idea that it's, uh, it's just momentary. It's fleeting. It's something that's meaningless because it's not going to stay around that long. And he says vanity of vanities. That's one of his themes. That's one of the things that he keeps coming back to. Last week, we found out that, that he has this picture, this under the sun, under the sun. It's not that... Um, He's not dealing with that of the afterlife. He's not dealing with God. He's not dealing with God's plan and his purposes. He's just dealing with life down here. And I want to tell you that that second piece is super important for you to remember under the sun. In fact, uh, he uses a different word, um, a different description. It's synonymous uh, as he applies his heart to wisdom. Uh, verse 13, he says, under heaven, under heaven. That's just looking at it from the other side, right? Uh, under the sun, the same deal as under heaven. It's the idea that we're looking from heaven's vantage point down, and it's all that stuff that's out there. It is not looking at life with God. It's not looking at life with His Son, Jesus Christ, giving purpose. It is not the saved life. And so he uh, looks at this, and his grand conclusion is what? First of all, it's still vain. All that's under the sun, and he says all that's under the sun is, uh, is this idea of striving after wind. Striving after wind. What a picture, right? Striving after the wind. And you say, I'm, I'm looking, I'm trying to think about what that looks like. If you can picture yourself running chasing after the wind right now. Looks pretty foolish, right? Uh, it looks like a child's game, right? It looks like a child's game that wouldn't be a game for that much, much time, right? You get bored pretty quick. By the way, uh, do, do you know why video games are popular? Because you can win. Because you can win. And you say, no, no, you can't. I say, oh, yes, you can. You give yourself to it. Uh, hey, you know, I, I passed that level. 
I pass that level. And then you go, oh, yeah, there's another level after that, you know. And then, and then you work at that. And guess what? In time, you pass that level. And then you do it. And there's a sense of success to it. That's what makes it fun. Uh, what makes sports fun? I know there's a lot of moms here today, so maybe we can't ask this question. It's winning. It's winning that makes it fun, okay? Some of you say uh, it's, you know, it's all playing the game. No, it's not. If you've ever been on a losing team, you realize it's no fun when you lose. And even if, you know, I think about some of you golfers here. Uh, you know, you say, well, I haven't won in a long time. Yeah, but it's that one good shot that keeps you coming back. There's a little bit of success that makes you feel like you've been, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to go pro here real quick. <laughs> it keeps us coming. It keeps us coming. It's the idea of catching, right? Uh, the hunting's the same way, right? If, if you go out hunting over and over again and it's just armed hiking, uh, it's not that fun, right? Uh, it, it's the idea of getting and being successful, right? Um, you guys understand that there, there's this idea that you, you've accomplished something. I, I've talked to some uh, police officers and I've asked them, so what do you like about your job? And they say, oh, there's a lot of things I don't like about my job. No, what do you like? And I remember one of them looked me in the eye and he says, I like pe- taking people to jail. <laughs> and and he, he didn't think it was funny at all. He just, he just said, I like taking people to jail. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he goes, well, it means that one bad guy isn't on the street tonight. I don't know what happens next. I don't, I don't like, but he's going to be spending the night in jail. And I, I know that he, and like, there's a success, this idea that you've, you've, you've accomplished something. As we look at the scripture, and as he looks at, as he's sought to apply his heart to wisdom, he says, as I look out on all that I have seen, it's chasing after the wind or striving after the wind. It's the idea of never getting there, never getting there. And I think about that and I go, wow, wow. It's interesting to me, um, and, you know, I've lived almost 50 years. It's not like I know everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm not the type of guy that has applied his heart to wisdom. Uh, these things just hit me as I go along with life. Uh, celebrities, politicians, sports figures. How many have crashed and burned? How many have uh, end up in pathetic, pitiful lives where they've given up? And you think, why? It's always fascinating to us when we hear of people with a lot of money being depressed and we go, why? I don't get it. Why? I'll tell you why. Striving after the wind. You know, how, how much money is enough? Just a little bit more. You know, how much success is enough? Well, just a little bit more. One more championship. One more of this. One more of that. It's, there's this idea that it, it's never enough. And so uh, as God has a message for us this morning, we hear the words, striving after wind. One other conclusion he gives to this first section, he says this, and this is a a particular understanding that he gets. He says, what is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be counted. 
As he looks at this, he says, as I look at all of life, can't be fixed. Can't be fixed. And for some of us, uh, we take our car, our car that we've had for a long time, and we take it to the shop and we say, ah, there's a rattling or something going on. It's something's wrong. And they say, oh, uh, you need new brakes. And you're like, great, put those new brakes on and it'll be good as new. He says, well, you know, that's part of your problem. Part of your problem. You need new tires too. Oh, great. You just put those new tires on and it'll be good as new. He says, no, not really, because your engine's not working that good either. <laughs> and, 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 and he's trying to break it to us kindly. He says, your whole car is a piece of junk. And it's all kind of the same. It's kind of falling apart together. And we look for this idea that, hey, I just have one little fix it to our life and everything will be good. And the answer that Solomon comes to, this is God, is that as we look at the problems of this life, they can't be fixed. They can't be straightened. This is why, and I I don't say this lightly, this is why watching the news is sometimes too much for us. Um, I hate to keep bringing this up, but I think some of you are already thinking of it. Uh, tragedy that happened a couple of weeks ago at the school, and you know now we're as a country we're arguing over more guns or less guns or no guns or. And I want to tell you, it can't be fixed. It can't be fixed. And you know, either of those options is I guess as good as any. But I want to tell you, it can't be fixed. And and when you look at a problem like that and you say it can't be fixed, you go, oh, no. And then there's epidemics and then there's wars and then there's uh, economics and and this idea that says, oh, yeah, we can fix it. We can fix it. If you just do this, it won't happen again. I want to tell you, that which is crooked can't be straightened. It's the mark of a sinful world. It's this mark of what life is down here under the sun. As we look at the world's problems, there's not this sense of like, oh, just do this and I'll be fine. It's crooked and it can't be fixed. In fact, he goes on, and this is kind of awkward in the English, but it says what is lacking cannot be counted. It's the idea that uh, you can't even get the number of problems there are. You can't even get to the bottom of looking at what is the problem. It can't be counted. And it's interesting when people have simple solutions or when they say, I have the answers, uh, there's a sense where they don't even know the question. And Solomon looks at all of life in his wisdom. And I, I think this connects Solomon's his conclusion with the first conclusion that he had, right? It's a bad deal, right? Uh, It's a bad business that God has given man to try to figure these things out because of where it ends us up. Can't be fixed and it can't be counted. That's his first uh, conclusion or is really his first idea about all that he has seen. And now he goes in verse uh, 16 to everything he knew. And 
I'd just like to say it this way. In verse 16, he said, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom. It's as if he went, uh, if there was a wisdom school, the idea of acquiring wisdom, and he says, I graduated. I graduated. I made it. Uh, some of you uh, long for that day, you know, that day where you say, I'm done with school. I've graduated. I've arrived. Um, as he says that, he's not saying he went to a school. He's saying that I have come to the conclusion of all that life has. I graduated. And not just that he had come to that conclusion. If you look on in verse 16, he says, Surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. My heart has, a, uh, has had great experience from wisdom and knowledge. He's saying of his graduation, summa cum laude, right? With highest honors. Like there was no, but I was number one in my class. It wasn't just top 10, I was number one, okay? Uh, as he graduated, he, he realized, and once again, you can go back to the life of Solomon and realize that people came to him for wisdom with great notoriety in, in the region. People would come and with gifts and with wanting to hear from him, they wanted to say, tell me what you know, tell me. And he says, that's who I was. That's, that's where I had uh, gotten to the place in my life. I'd graduated with highest honors. And this, this school or this education that he had was experiential. It wasn't just that he had studied it in books. He had experienced it. In fact, uh, in this passage, he goes on to say, uh, verse 17, And I applied my heart to know wisdom, know madness, and folly. It wasn't just uh, all the right answers that he sought out, but he also sought out the wrong answers. And he went to places that were dark and he experienced things that were wicked. He's going to talk about those in the chapters that would come. And so it's this idea that he had experienced all these things. He had gone to the end of all that it was. And so as he brings conclusion to this, everything that he knew, what does he say? Uh, if you look down at verse 17, he says this. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. Striving after wind. Futility. The idea of running hard, but never catching it. The idea of, of giving it your all. Giving it your all and still not being able to make it work. Striving after wind. Once again, under the sun, right? Under the sun. This is life down here. There's this sense of never being able to catch. It's a striving after wind. As you look at this, um, he has one more conclusion for us, and this is really the aftermath, um, very similar to the previous section, verse 15. But verse 18 says this, For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. That word vexation uh, is, is the idea of being irritated inside, of being bothered in your soul. 
It's the idea of being this agitation of who you are. And, and as you look at this, uh, he, he looks at this wisdom that he pursued, this knowledge that he wanted, these experiences that he sought out. And he says, in much, in much is great irritation or vexation. And he who increases in knowledge increases sorrow, sorrow. Um, let me use a prop this morning. Uh, what, what can you do on your phone? All kinds of things, right? Uh, this represents uh, something that, that we talk about all the time. We're part of the what age? Information. Information. Uh, technology. And we, uh, you know, you, you can't stop the news. You can't stop the news. Uh, you could wake up uh, 3 o'clock in the morning uh, if you can't sleep. And some of you grab for your phone. Uh, and, and you either want personal news or you want real news or you, you want bad news. I don't know what you want, but like you can, you can find it on here, right? You can go to Facebook and you can see what your friends had for breakfast. Uh, you can see uh, all kinds of things on here. Like you can, uh, things you, you weren't even you didn't even know that you worried about, you could start worrying about because others would prompt you on this, right? Uh, you could uh, read the news and it's, you know, depending on how it figures you out, it'll give you the kind of news that you want and the more you want the wrong news, it'll provide it for you in different forms and fashions. Um, you know, this, this will give you 24-hour news, constantly updated, constantly changing. And um, a lot of times we would say, well, we're bored. We're bored. I, I need to, you know, spend some time doing something. So we're bored. So we're wa- reading the news. Um, and I would submit to you that, uh, that a lot of times we're looking for life on our phone, we're looking for life on our computer. We're looking for importance. We're looking for something to fill this and, and to make it feel like we're not striving after the wind, to make us somehow feel smart and somehow feel fulfilled and somehow gain knowledge and wisdom that we can somehow use later. Unfortunately, if you look at verse 18 in chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, what does it say more will give you? Vexation and sorrow. Uh, why are we so depressed? Why are we so empty? Why are we so frustrated? Why are we so stressed out? Why are we so discouraged? Verse 18 in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. With more is more irritation to your soul and emptiness under the sun. Under the sun. Well, um, I keep promising that this is going to get better. Uh, it will, a couple weeks, maybe a month at the latest. Uh, but I, I want to give you three 
uh, things that should mark us this morning. Mark us this morning. First thing is this uh, that should mark us. It's good to know you are not alone. You're not alone. Uh, if you can remember, some of you have, haven't been in this place for a very, very long time. But remember yourself in uh, math class in high school. And the teacher's waxing eloquent about some something, polynomial or whatever. And, and you don't get it. You don't get it. And in your heart, you know you don't get it. And, and you might try to fake it for, for a little bit and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the more they're talking, the more you're, you're getting fearful inside. And then, and then finally you do this thing. You just kind of peek up and, and, you're, and you're looking to see how they, they're looking, right? And, and you're looking for some encouragement here, right? You're looking. And, and if they look like they know what the teacher's talking about, you're totally discouraged and you go, forget you. And then you're going to go look over here. Good to see you, RJ. Um, but... Um, but, but you're looking, you're looking to the right and to the left. And I want to tell you, there should be great encouragement for you this morning that you are not alone in all the striving. I think sometimes we look at some people's lives, especially those who seem like they're successful, and we say, well, they're doing it. I, I'm striving after the win, but they're, they're succeeding. I want to tell you. Word of God says that all is striving after the wind under the sun. All. That was the as the king had seen all, right? Uh, that there should be great encouragement that you're not alone. Second thing, and it's a similar sense, uh, to remember this, that some things won't be fixed, figured out, or conquered some things won't be fixed, figured out, or conquered under the sun. Sometimes we watch our lives, whether it just be personal inside of our household or nationally or worldwide problems, and we look at them and, and get frustrated. And we're like, I just, somebody needs to fix that. If they just asked me, I could fix it. I could fix it. I want to tell you, the Word of God tells us that some of the problems of this life can't be fixed can't be figured out, and can't be conquered. That's life under, under the sun here. The, the sin has been pervasive. And as we look at these problems, it's not that we would uh, look at them and, and be frustrated and this and that, but to know that these are some of the problems that are common uh, to this life under the sun. And then lastly, I'd say this. Under the sun is not where life is found. Under the sun is not where life is found. As we look at this book in its totality, we, we're going to realize that he is not saying, there's this secret. And if you get it, life under the sun, life without God, life just like everybody else, you can find meaning in striving after the wind. Uh, no, it's not. Life is not found under the sun. Life is found with Jesus Christ. I realize this book doesn't say anything about Jesus. It's because it's in the Old Testament looking forward to the answer. But I want to tell you that as we look for a life under the sun, we're going to be found wanting. We're going to be found frustrated. 
we're going to be found uh, striving after the wind and exhausted and going, how come I can't catch it? And to know this, that life isn't found in the stuff of this life. It's found in the God above. Um, And this brings us to the point where we share in a time of communion. So let me pray for us and just um, make that transition to thinking about what Christ has done on our behalf. God, thank you for this morning. God, we struggle with these things. And even as I uh, sort them out in my own soul, I realize that much of my life has been thinking that the accomplishments of this life and the things that I do in this life will give me fullness and joy and then being frustrated when it's just striving after the wind. God, I ask this morning that you would continue your work in your church, that you would reorder our lives in such a way where as we live this life under the sun, that we would live uh, fixed on you, looking to the uh, time that is to come, clinging to the good news of the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I'd ask that the men would come forward and make ready the table as we prepare to share in a time of communion, of remembrance. Um, I tell you, as we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, it's sometimes hard as a preacher. Uh, one, of, one of the things that I, I love to be as a joyful, encouraging preacher, and I look to the book of Ecclesiastes and I gulp a little bit, uh, but I know this, that this is where the encouragement is found, that Jesus died for sinners, that he came to give us life that he said in him is life. And I I guess what's difficult for us here this morning is that uh, life is not found in ourselves. Life is not found in our accomplishments. Life is not found in the things that we see to the right or to the left. It's found in Jesus and what he's done. And so we use this time, uh, as, I, as I believe it was designed, to remember, to remember. Uh, we don't remember ourselves here. We don't remember the great things that we have done. We remember what Jesus has done on our behalf. I'd encourage you at this time, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, to consider what I've shared with you this morning. And if that striving after the wind has marked you, I want to tell you there's meaning. But it's not in you doing the things that you want, doing the way you want to do it. It's that you would repent and bring the pieces and parts of your life to him and say, I I don't want it anymore. I need you to be the Lord of my life, the Savior of my mess. This is what it is to know Jesus. As we uh, consider this time, uh, I want to encourage you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, to consider how you're doing with him, to be reminded of the, the price he paid for you, the relationship that he bought, that he would be Lord and that you would be his child, his servant. We, uh, are supposed to be reminded because we forget. And so we use this time as it was intended I'd ask that you would uh, hold the elements until everyone is served and then we'll partake together as we remember the Lord.
Jesus shared a last meal with his disciples at that meal after giving thanks. He took the bread and he broke it and he explained to them. He said, this is my body broken for you. We do this 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 morning, remembering the body of our Lord broken on our behalf.
As Jesus uh, took the bread, he also took the cup, and he explained to them that this is the blood, his blood, the blood of the new covenant that he was making with them. We do this this morning, remembering the blood of our Lord that was spilled on our behalf. Please stand and pray with me. Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Uh, God, thank you for the one uh, that takes care of all of our guilty stains. And God, I ask that you would grant us great courage and strength this week as we seek to walk with you, as we uh, uh, tackle temptations that have been placed before us. Um, we, as we fight to walk with you, um, as we gain courage to obey, God, I ask that you would be our strength this week. God, help us to not get lost in the frustrated strivings of this life. And God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. As you leave today, uh, we take an offering for those who are needy in our church. You can participate in that. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.